Amen. Give God one more big hand. He's worthy. Amen. Well, most of you know and have heard and uh, we're, as a body, as a family, we're, we're dealing with great tragedy this week. Uh, we've lost a great brother and good friend. And Bart uh, Auckland went home to be with Jesus, and it was a tragic accident. And it, and it kind of shakes everything, and it kind of gets you right to the core. And this week in praying and just, okay, God, what do we do? You know, how do we deal with this? And, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of changed my message a little bit. You know, uh, uh, but God just began to deal with me. Okay, we're talking about lifestyle, God life, Zoe lifestyle. What does it look like to walk through uh, the, you know, the, the darkest of hours? What's it look like to, to go through that with victory? How, how, do we, how do we carry God life through, uh, what, what, you know, just the storms of life? And the fact of the matter is, guys, is that the Bible tells us how to handle every situation. The Word of God is the lamp unto our feet, the light to our path. We don't go through life in the dark. We've got the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ that illuminates and, and causes us to be enlightened so we know what to do when we don't know what to do. Amen? So we're not on our own. We're not on our own. We, 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 you know, the Bible says we, we've been struck down but not struck out. Amen? So we've got, we've got joy. We've got peace. We've got more life than death. John 10, 10. By now, you, I'm hoping you can quote this, right? The thief cometh not but for to kill, still and destroy. But I have come that Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. In abundance to the top, running over, more life than death. More joy than sorrow, more hope than despair, more peace than chaos, more health than sickness, more provision than lack. Jesus came to give us God life. And we should be excited today that we have eternal life, everlasting life, life that outlasts any problem, any storm, any pain, any situation. We're going to the other side. We may not like the stuff we're going through, but in everything, we give thanks to God. Why? Because he's carrying us through to the other side. He's, he loves us right where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us where we are. And we have got to realize that all we've got to do is begin, you know, we've got to think right, right? We talked about it last week. We've got to think right. We got to think God thoughts. We got to think like God thinks. We can't think like our lower nature wants to think. We got to think differently. What would God think right now? What would God say right now? Because I, I got to think right. I got to speak right. What would God be saying right now? I got to. I got to start agreeing with the Word of God. I got to connect myself to God's Word and say what only God would say. I got to aim at what God would have me aim at. You know, if you're riding a bicycle and, you know, where you look is where you're going. Where are you going? What's the road you're traveling down? Come on, let's, let's, let's think right. Let's look right. Let's see right. Let's live right. Let's get to the place that God's called us to go to, even on the days that it's hard and it's difficult and the, and the load is heavy. We, we're gonna, we, we have victory. I said we have victory. Look at somebody. Tell them you've got victory. We're not talking about a different level. 
We're talking about a different lifestyle. And I think a lot of times, you know, okay, we're going to a new level. But we've got to realize that it's not a new level of the same stuff. But it's a totally different lifestyle. It's the high life, not the low life. The low life is a lifestyle. The high life is a different lifestyle. It's God life. What does God life look like? You know, uh, Matthew 10, 38 and 39. Let's look at this in the Amplified. We're going to put it up. He who does not take up his cross and follow me cleaves steadfastly to me, conforming wholly to my example in living. Look at that. He who does not take up his cross and follow me and conform wholly to my lifestyle. You know, there, it's a different lifestyle now. We're, we're, we're living a different way than we used to live. The life I now live. I live by the faith of him who loved me and gave himself for me. I, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But it's not I that live, but Christ living in me. And the life I now live is different than the life I used to live. See, I, I have to conform wholly to his example, his lifestyle. And if I don't, I'm, he said he's not worthy of me. And that, that statement, not being worthy of him, kind of caused me to pause a little bit. What do you mean, not worthy? I thought because of what Christ had done. Now, I stand in the sight of God, holy, righteous, blameless in his sight. How could I not be worthy? So I started tearing that down and studying. And come to find out that what it means, literally, is that your lifestyle doesn't have the same worth the same value, the same potential to produce result that his lifestyle has. You're going to produce a result, but the end result isn't worth. It doesn't value what the end result would be if we did life God's way. It's a totally different picture. That When we live life God's way, we have the ability to produce a result that is ordained of God. If we live life our way, we end up producing results that is the very thing that God's trying to keep us from. Remember Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to us, but the end is messed up compared to the end that God declared in the beginning. God has a plan for our life. His plan is to prosper us, not harm us. His plan is to give us hope and future. But to get the, the, the plan, the end product that that plan intends, you've got to live life the way that it was prescribed in the Word of God. There, the, this Word teaches us how to live. Show us your way, O oh God. Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. Seek that first. Seek first. The first thing we got to ask ourselves is how, God, would you go through this situation? Guide us, Father, by your spirit so that we do life your way. So that we do this storm your way. So that we deal with loss God's way. So we can get the result that God intends for us to have. Do you realize God cares about you? I said God cares about you. Doesn't he, Jenny? And he doesn't want you hurting and bleeding and dying, does he? He wants you strong and healthy and vibrant. And so when we go through great loss, if we do it God's way, and I'm proud of you. She's dealing with the loss of, uh, of a family member this week, too. She, she's dealing, but I'm proud of her. I, I, I'm proud of you, buddy. Because, you know, the boys went to camp, 
and they're in the presence of God and, and, and they're building their, their self up on the inside. And, and, you know, Becky's doing good. She's doing great. She's got the peace of God that passes understanding. Why? Because they're doing it God's way. There's a way to deal with it. But we've got to seek it first because if you don't, the very first thing you'll do, you'll do what you feel like. You'll do what you think. You'll say what, what's on your mind. Wrong move. We've got to go after God's way. We've got to conform wholly to his lifestyle and get a result that's the same value that would be if Jesus were walking through him here himself. Somebody say amen. His lifestyle carries a greater weight, a greater power. It produces a much more valuable result than our lifestyle. It's almost like, I mean, I, I know some of you guys... Uh, some of you, I'm sure, watch TV. And in my mind, as I'm studying this, I'm praying, and I'm getting ready. In my mind, I see this Jesus commercial. And I see him going through all of the stuff that we go through in life. And then the fog clears, and he steps out, and he looks right into the camera, and he says, What's in your wallet? He's showing us the way. He's showing us how to walk in victory. And then look at it. Come on. What are you carrying? What, what level of authority are you living in? What, what's, your, what's your position of victory? Come on, come on up here where I'm at. We have an invitation from God to come up to a different lifestyle, to enjoy God life, life as God has it. And we got to realize that there are times when the enemy will use whatever he can to try to rip from our grip the assurance that we have, the hope that we have, the, the faith that we have. The enemy's after your faith. I said the enemy's after your faith. And faith isn't just simply believing regardless of the circumstance. It's obeying regardless of the consequence. It is doing what he said. Now, the cool part is that when God tells us what to do, he also empowers us by his Holy Spirit. And the grace of God infuses our body with the ability to do what he's just required. Grace is not a blanket that we hide our sin under. Our sins was washed away by the blood of Jesus. Grace is an empowering agent that en enables us to do what God's asked us to do. And the reason God's asked us to do it is because the end result is for our better, not for our worse. Somebody say amen. Look at verse 39. Whoever finds his lower life will lose it, the higher life. And whoever loses his lower life, um, I can't find it, the higher life. In order to get the lifestyle of God, you've got to lead the lifestyle of Tom. Right? You, 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 can't, you can't live life like Todd. You've got to live life like God. It rhymes, so it works. Boom. You know, you don't want Todd life. You want God life. Now, most of the time, most of the time, you could, you could follow Todd. But, you know, what's crazy is that you might be in the same circumstance that he's in, but God would tell you to handle it differently. And this messes us up. Remember the storms? That, you know, in the Bible, there was one where, uh, you know, Jesus spoke to it. There was one where Jesus walked through it. There was one where Peter floated through it. Now, the point is they all made it through it. And they all had a storm. But they didn't handle every storm exactly the same. And what we do in our human nature is we listen to God once. We hear him say, speak to it. And from that moment forward, every storm we ever encounter, we start talking to it. 
and then wondering how come we're not getting the result that God promised. Well, because God wants you to listen to him, and he might tell you, you're going to float this one. You're going to walk this one. Why? Because he's going to remind us of our insane need of him. Because if you just go through life dealing with it, pretty soon you are under the impression that you don't even need God now. I've got this. I can handle this. And the fact is, is that God is going to infuse you with the strength to handle it. But you're going to recognize that without God, you can do nothing. See, the enemy tries to get us stuck in that old lifestyle. And we want to go to a new level of the old lifestyle. God's offering us a brand new lifestyle. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new species altogether. All that old stuff's passed away. Behold, everything's fresh and new. It's a new deal. It's a new deal. You, you don't want to just move up in levels. You want to change lifestyles. See, if all you do, it, living the lower lifestyle is a life without Christ, Christ is the light. Can we agree? Christ is the light. He came, you know, his word is a lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. It's the light. Enlightenment. Enlightenment. It means that through the word of God, he's going to direct your path. He's going to, he, you, again, you're going to know what to do when you don't know what to do. So the lights are on. Without Christ, you're in the dark. Not enlightened. What would that be? Unenlightened. Is that a word? It is now. How about we call it ignorant? Okay. Now, if you move just to a new level, you move from ignorant to stupid. You're still dumb. Right? That's moving. That's changing levels. But Jesus wants to turn the light on. He wants to move us from ignorant to enlightened. To knowing what to do. To having the ability to see. I mean, not... Look at your neighbor and say, what's in your wallet? You are, you are the light. You are the light. You know, our brother came up and shared a word that we, we've got to show them Jesus. Well, then we need to shine. Look at Ephesians 5.15. You know, the problem with ignorant and stupid is that ignorant doesn't realize anything and stupid doesn't care but enlightened is thankful that we can see where to go look at this look carefully how you walk i don't think the word of god would tell us to be careful about our walk if it wasn't easy to wander off the trail so he said be careful how you walk live with purpose and worthily and accurately not as the unwise and witless it's not just me, it's the Bible. Don't, don't live like you don't have light. I really think this is what he's saying. Don't, don't, don't live like you don't know what to do. When I'm standing right here, you got my word in your possession trying to guide you. Live like wise, sensible, intelligent people. Deal with life my way. You know, if you think about biblical lifestyle shifts... It's going to cause you to think different. It's going to cause us to speak different. It's going to cause us to aim different. It's going to cause us to produce a different result. And think about it in the Bible. Let the weak say, oh, you guys know this stuff. 
Let's see if this side knows it. Let the weak say, I am strong. What's he doing? He's, he's changing the way you talk. Quit saying I'm weak. Start saying I'm strong. Philippians says, I have strength for all things. I'm ready for and equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who's infusing me with an inner strength. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, you guys know the Bible. What's he saying? You're going to live different. You're going to change your lifestyle. Quit living like you're in poverty and start living like you're blessed. Walk in wisdom. You know what that means? That means that you, you, you may have to chop up your credit cards. You may have to go to Ramsey's class. You may have to re-evaluate. Why? Because you've got to change the way you think. Because the lifestyle God's called you to live is going to make you think different, going to make you talk different, going to make you aim different. Let, let the sick say, I am healed. Come on, God, different lifestyle. And in the middle of tragedy, we have a tendency to fall back into that old lifestyle. And, you know, as givers of life, we have more life than death, more joy than sorrow, more peace than chaos. But we can walk into a room and suck the life out of it. Because we, we, we have this tendency, is it all right if I just be very pastoral this morning? We have a tendency to, to want to suffer and, and, and to, you know, to, to share the pain. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that if I'm hurting, I don't need you to magnify my pain. I need you to release health and healing. My son, attend unto my words and hearken unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, for they are life to those that find them. Health and healing, all their flesh. His word is going to produce life. It's going to produce hope. It's going to produce joy. Somebody say amen. amen. Look at Isaiah 51.11. Isaiah 51.11. The Lord God says, this is God talking. The redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. Look, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing. The redeemed. Are you redeemed? Man to man at men camp were redeemed. You know, they just started singing, I am redeemed. These guys were shouting it out. They were singing like they mean it. I am redeemed. Well, then you, how do you come? And Zion's always a type of the church. How, how does the redeemed come? Well, they, they, they come with singing. They come with singing. Everlasting joy is upon their head. Everlasting joy. That's joy that outlasts sadness. The joy of the Lord. That's our strength. So the joy of the Lord. That's our strength. So we come with singing. It's a different lifestyle. You know, it's not a country western song that we're singing either. <laughs> We, we, we got a different tune. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Look at your neighbor and ask him, what kind of noise does your life make? Everlasting joys upon their head. Look, they shall obtain. They shall obtain joy and gladness. Look, sorrow, sighing, it flees away. 
it flees away. Sadness and brokenness and hurt and sorrow is on the run from the lifestyle of the godly. You have an incredible power at your disposal. You can put hell on the run. It will flee from you. But you got to do it God's way. I said you got to do it God's way. You, you, you ain't going to produce God results without God in the mix. So the first thing we're going to have to do is say, okay, God, how do I deal? How do I deal with life? How do I deal with this situation and get from where I am to where you've called me? How do I do it? And I know some of us are probably thinking, well, this is Old Testament. Okay, go to James chapter 4, verse 6. He gives us more and more grace. Isn't this awesome? He, God, gives us. Just, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to belabor any point, but there's so many great ones here. God gives. I mean, if you just took that and meditated that, God so loved the world that he gave. God's a giver. If he gives, that means there's gifts involved. Right? Because when you give somebody something, what do they get? They get a gift. What's a gift? A gift is something that you've given to somebody who's done nothing to deserve it. So in other words, you, you ain't got to do anything to receive from God. It's a gift. God gives more and more. Well, it sounds like Zoe life, doesn't it? Life in abundance to the top till it overflows. More than enough. There's always more than enough. God more and more and more and more and more. More than you can handle. More than you can contain. He's opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out blessings that you can't even contain it. This is God life now. He gives more and more grace. Again, power, strength, enabling force. It's the power of the Holy Spirit to meet this evil tendency and all others fully. Guys, if we just stop here, it ought to change the way we live life. We're not going to stop here, though, because I'm going to show you something today that's going to change everything about your life. But He gives us more and more grace, more and more. He gives us more and more. I think, you know, scratch out us. He gives me more and more grace, more power of the Holy Spirit to deal with the evil tendency I'm dealing with and everything else completely. That's why He said, God sets Himself against the proud but gives grace continually to the humble. God sets Himself against the proud. Why would He throw that in there? Well, because... You got to understand that if you if you're proud, that what here let me read this to you. Proud. It is an exaggerated sense of one's own worth, value or strength to to act as if others are weaker or of lesser value and insight. You realize that there are moments when we stand in the presence of God as if we know as much as he does. Well, I've never done that. Really. To make a decision without prayer is to suggest that you don't need God's insight regarding the decision that you're making. 
If I came to a service without perfectly preparing, it would be like walking in the room saying, y'all don't need God. I've got what you need. And I'm going to tell you something. I've checked, and I ain't got what you need because you need help. <laughs> you, know, you know, you and I, you and I, we need some stuff. We need some stuff from God. We, we get, we, we, de- we got to deal with our pride with God. It's like, it's like going to God once and like I was talking about the storms and the next storm you enter into, not talking to God. You just jump up and start talking to the storm. Well, wait, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Why is it such an issue for God? Because he wants to give us more and more grace. But if you're not in the receiving mood, it doesn't make any difference how much grace God gives. You ain't taking it. But he gives grace continually to those who are humble, those who are low to the ground, those who are teachable and receptive to God's insight. So look at verse 7. Submit to God. Amplified says be subject. The word is actually submit. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Now, I'm going to teach you something this morning that I'm, I'm praying that, that, uh, that you've got something to write this down. That, you, that If not, that you're going to get the CD, that you're going to give thought and study to the truth you hear. Because okay? this, this week, preparing for this service, and I'm, I'm talking to God, and God begins to deal with me on this subject, and I end up, uh, there, there were moments, even on the way driving up to man camp, that I'd pull off the side of the road with my, with my phone and go to Blue Letter Bible, and, I, and I'm and checking stuff out. This is crazy. Submit to God. See, most of us think that we're constantly in submission. But in reality, there's a lot of times that we're not. We're not in submission. We're in agreement. Matter of fact, submission never kicks in until you're in disagreement. Submission, now let's just be honest, submission is almost a dirty word. You know, it's a bad word today. It, has, it, it throws up bad pictures and we have, you know, it's bad connotations when it comes to the word submission. Because we think differently than God wants us to think. God understands what's going to happen when we move from agreement to submission. Where, you know, there's people who are always in submission until you make them mad and now they're no longer in submission. They're out of here because you're evil. Well, the, the fact of the matter is, is that submission doesn't count. It has no value until you disagree. You're only in agreement to that point. And there's power in agreement, but there is insane power in submission. Because for God to say submit to God would suggest that there's probably areas where you're not really in agreement with God. But you're going to submit to God anyways because he's God. Right? Now, we would never openly admit that I disagree with that, but i got to tell you something. There's some things that God asked me to do I don't want to do. I'm not in agreement with that. There's stuff right now that I'm having to do, that I'm having to deal with. I don't want to deal with it. Let Todd deal with it. Todd rhymes with God. No, you're going to do this. Okay, Okay, I'm going to do it because you want me to, not because I want to. I'm, I'm going to choose to do it. I'm going to submit. Right? I don't agree. You know, when it comes to bless me, you know, the Lord thy God has been mindful of thee. He will bless you. I'm in agreement. Bless me. Right? 
when it comes to he's going to increase you, he's going to prosper you, I'm in agreement. He's got hope and future, I'm in agreement. And, but when he starts telling me to do things that I don't like, I've got to move from agreement to submission. Hello? Now, here's what happens is that when I submit to God, that's how I resist the devil. The temptation is to not do what I know I should do because I don't want to. That's the temptation. But I take a stand firm against the temptation by doing the very thing I don't want to do because I know I should do it because God's told me to do it. Now, when I'm in submission, it says the devil will flee. The word flee means to vanish, to disappear, to take flight for one's own life. So hell runs from you when you've moved from agreement into submission. Because hell now recognizes that you're not going to be manipulated by your emotions. You're not going to be uh, uh, controlled by what you think and what you feel and how you see it. You are now living according to the word of God. And hell can't do anything to stop you now. Hell runs, disappears, disappears. My God, somebody. When you submit to God. Think about it. You come to a church service. For some of us, that's submission. We don't even want to be here. But here we are. Good for you. Good for you. It's great that when you're finally in agreement with the church, that's wonderful. But if you're here today and somebody made you come, proud of you. You walk in the service and now they're going to sing. I don't agree with that. Awesome. Now you can sing in submission. Hello? Didn't Jesus say that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings you have ordained strength to silence the enemy? Hell, you know what? Think about it. When you sing, when you agree with worship, you silence hell. When you submit in worship, you cause hell to run. Next thing in the service, what do they do? They take an offering. I don't agree. I understand tithing. I want to live to give. But i got to tell you something. I like my stuff. If I didn't like my stuff, I wouldn't have had it in the first place. Well, I, I want you to bring 10%. I know we're supposed to be all holy and spiritual and everything, but there are weeks I don't want to. Awesome. Because now I can move from agreement to submission. And I can cause hell to run away from my financial realm. Hello? All of a sudden, see, there's some stuff here that the enemy doesn't want you to know. Because if you'll start doing what God says, and you, if you'll put an end to, well, this is how I think about it. This is what I think about it. What you think, frankly, Scarlett, what you and I think about it is not the point that we need to be focusing on. Well, what I think about it, we're just moving from ignorant to stupid now. No, we've got to move from ignorant to enlightened. I've gone to the book. I've opened the pages. I've asked God to show me what do I do in this situation. His word is telling me. The Bible says that there will be a word behind thee saying, this is the way walk ye in it. When you come to the point that you've got to make a decision. You've got a word from God. I've got the word of God. I can tell you. See, well, yeah, but we need, we, okay. We need to grieve. Well, what does the word grieve mean? The word grieve means to be in a mental state of anguish. Is that really what God wants you in? 
I go to the Word of God, and I, I you know what? I, we 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 are hurt. We are wounded. We, we, are, we are saddened, but we refuse to remain in that state because God says, no, here's what I want you to do. Well, God understands. God went to a barren woman who had no future, who had no hope, who was going to be ridiculed for her position in life, and he said, sing, baby, sing. And she could have said, get one of the pregnant mothers to sing you a song. They can probably let one loose and and tear up the carpet. Leave me alone. But God looked at her and he said, I want you to sing. Why? Because when you, in submission, do what God told you to do, the thing that was producing the barrenness is going to run from you and life's going to stir up where it shouldn't be. You study the Word of God and you find out that he has people doing all kinds of crazy stuff, but they're getting crazy results. So what do we do in the season of, of storm? What do we do when, when all hell's broken against us and it just seems like it's just pounding on? What do we do? Well, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I don't want to. Perfect. Now, I'll tell you what. I, I hope this is changing the way you're seeing some stuff because it, it certainly has for me. Because now there's a bunch of stuff that I've been putting off because I just didn't want to do it. Probably shouldn't tell you that. I should tell you I'm I'm constant and 100% obedience to God. I'm holy. But 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 what I am what I am. Probably you know to 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 my to my fault is honest. Forgive these people. I don't want to. How shall we do it? Shall we sweet? Shelby's, Shelby, Shelby's like perfect. I think that's why God gave her me. <laughs> to remind her of her insane need for God. <laughs> but now I'm looking at the stuff that I've struggled with going, I'm going to kind of enjoy doing this now. Because I'm moving from the realm of agreement. There's power in agreement, but there's a totally different dynamic in the realm of submission. I look back at life and I realize that there have been some huge breakthroughs that we had and it was because of submission. So there were moments when we were wielding a weapon that we didn't even realize and we were producing some pretty great results. What happens when you get good at using something? You know, Last couple of weeks, different guys have uh, hooked up, and we, we've gone golfing. And, Steve, you, you can attest to this. Almost everybody hits a good shot now and then, every once in a while, right? You know, every once in a while. You hit a couple of them. I don't know. You, you hit one or two. They weren't bad. And, and uh, uh, I mean, we couldn't find them, but they, they, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he's sponsored by Titleist because he spends so much money there. But uh, the, the the deal is, the deal is, is that when you, when you start getting more consistent, you start becoming more effective. So when you take this tool and you realize, hey, guess what? I don't have to be in agreement. I can step over into submission. And God told me to. See, 
I haven't fooled God. God knows I'm not in 100% agreement. So he said, okay, submit here. And that will resist the enemy, and hell will flee. The next verse says, draw nigh unto God. Come Come to God. Come close to God. He will come close to you. And, and, and I, I want to close with this because this really doesn't do it justice. Draw nigh. What is that? Come close isn't right. To draw nigh means to intertwine oneself, to become one with another. So God is saying that when you... Step into submission. The enemy can't tell the difference between you and God. That's why he's running. He looks at you and he don't see you anymore. He sees God. He sees the God in you coming to the forefront. So what would have hung around for months takes off in a moment. Because it can't deal with God. It could deal with you. We think we're all that in a bag of bread, but we're not. But God, to, to draw nigh to God, to submit to God, resist the devil, hell flees, and you and God are now one. You know what it'll do to your world? To the enemies that are attacking your family. What, what will it do when, when that enemy shows up at your house and they can't find you anymore? They just find God. See, we used to provide a little hookup spot for the enemy. The Bible teaches us don't give a place to the enemy. Give no position of effectual opportunity to the devil how, how, where, where did we give him that? It was in our flesh. It was, it was in the way we saw it, in the way we think, in the way we talk. We say some really stupid stuff. God said, you know what? When you submit to me, it's humble. Low to you, you become swallowed up in my presence. And the enemy, he sees me now. He sees me now. How do I handle life at any moment God's way? I have to submit to Him. There's things that we might not agree with, but we're going to do it anyways because He's God. He's directing our steps. And he's guiding us, and His Word is enlightening us and telling us what to do. And right, right down to how to feel. How, 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 to, how, to, how to choose, what to say. You know, there's a lot of people who are going through difficult moments right now. And before you say anything, you might want to ask God, what would you say? Before you touch anything, you, you might ask God, how would you handle this? If you don't know what God would say, that might be an indicator to be still, quiet. Don't feel like you got to come up with something. Because the stuff we come up with usually isn't the stuff that's needed. What should I do? What would God do? What would God do?
got to tell you, there is a grace that comes on us in moments when we need it the most. So happy for the Aucklands because that grace is so apparent. It's doing so well. That grace, you know, you know, I've had friends that have been through crazy stuff, and, I, and I'm thinking how I would respond if I was where they are. And then reminded that, well, yeah, but they have a grace. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a pregnant mom, as, you know, in the birthing process. There, there is an, a power that comes on a woman during birth that, thank God, she doesn't walk in 24-7. But when she needs it, it's there. Remember the look in Shelby's eyes after 18 hours of labor. She is giving birth to Evan. I looked at her and went, oh, my God, she's possessed. And she was looking at me saying, you did this to me. Thank God that tenacity is not there all the time. There are some things that come on us when we're going through certain situations. And we have a tendency to want to pull people out of that. We see them and they're doing pretty good. So we remind them what they're going through. They don't need that. They need you to, to, to just speak like, way to go. You got this. We're with you. God's on your side and so am I. And we just need to... Submit to God, because I'm sure that we mentally, emotionally, we might not be in agreement with what God says, but we're going to do what God says anyways. So we can produce the result that God declared at our beginning. Amen? Close your book, bow your head, and let's pray.